You've read the books. You've learned the rules. You've played the games. And so is your mom. Just making sure you're paying attention. Now, it's time for something completely off base. From the same guys who haven't done anything exciting yet are the Paladins of Podcast, Rob and Potato. Listen in as they talk about all things related to pen and paper games, challenge rules, and go off script. This is the high fantasy commentary you didn't ask for, but your mom did. (laughs) This is the Epic Table Audio Show. Welcome back to Epic Table Games Audio Show, guys. This is your Paladins of Podcast, Rob and Potato. How's it going, Rob? Not too bad, man. Christmas is over, the holiday uh, New Year is over, and I'm irritated. I'm still unpacking the fat I threw back on. Did you ever uh, lose it? No. I'm always gaining. (laughs) You know what? That's how it does in the gym, too. But we are not a health podcast, are we? We could be. (laughs) But we won't be. (laughs) So, guys, I wanted to talk a little bit about some Epic Table Games things right away because, uh, you know, as we we mentioned earlier, before the new year, we were going to do a few small changes to the website. Yes. And we rolled out a new website. We haven't actually posted a link. We just hope you guys go to it. Um, I'd have to say I'm bad at business, if that's the case, by the way. (laughs) But that is definitely the case. Anyhow, I want to talk about a specific product because it's the one product on the page that has a secondary type that I really like, and that is our small dungeon. Now, about our small dungeon, if you guys are into 3D printing, etc., you do know that it is an Open Forge product designed by Devin Jones, and it features OpenLock. Uh, technology, and we are compatible with OpenLock. We do have our commercial license for OpenLock. Yes. So we can do that. And this this ability to sell comes from a tri- uh, attribution, and we got that down. So we're all covered there. Don't worry about that. But the small dungeon, we offer wall height. Yes, and this is actually a big thing, and I really like that we, did, we pulled this off. Yes, absolutely. We have half-height walls and full-height walls. And yep. for our dungeons... This is this is really cool because when you think about dungeons, when you see a lot of different live play groups on their on their video casts, a lot of them have full height walls. Yep, and they look great. They do look great. Look phenomenal. Absolutely. But uh, when I play, I prefer half height walls. I think I think half height helps only so you can see everything a bit better. Right. Because I noticed when you have a full height, whole like uh, scenario built up on the table, sometimes I have to like stand up and lean over to see what's going on and move my guy. Yeah, there's there's definitely that issue. And we also have the issue of a lot of the miniatures that you use aren't just static pillars. They are right. dynamically posed. They have limbs that stick out. Stick or... out past their grid a little bit. Right. And so having a half height wall allows for that extra clearance. Um, yeah, a little bit of a stretching room. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and like I said, I love the way the full height walls look. I mean, when I think about it, that is what I envision. Right. But I prefer the play of half height. And the fact that we gave an option for your taste as well, if you ever want to buy a small dungeon, perfect. 
Absolutely. And remember, it's it's the expansion to all of the other open forge and open lock material that we have to offer. So you can always buy just walls or additional expansions, etc. Uh, and they're all going to be compatible. Yes. So they all come unprimed. I'm sorry. Unpainted, non-primed. So they come raw. You can do it all yourself. Make it fit your style. All right. Now with that, you know what I also want to add, and I'm hopefully going to do it soon, is apparel. Oh, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. My wife owns Sassy Craft, which is uh, more of a apparel and crafting business. And we're definitely going to get some shirts done up, some mugs, etc. I want to get those on there pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Those oh, are, yeah. Those are always fun. Um, I want a shirt. Actually, you should have a shirt. I want another shirt. A second shirt. I want four shirts. Four more shirts or four shirts total? Four shirts total times eight. Just give me a shirt, a shirt for every day of the year, please. I'll definitely pay for it. Don't worry. <laughs> um, I mean, if you're going to pay for it, we can. Why not? <laughs> Why not? So, yeah. Um, well, now with that out of the way, because that's really our biggest business thing, um, we know that we also mentioned wanting to do a little bit more video work. And our plan is to hopefully start in two weeks. Yep. And we don't know how long it's going to take to edit and upload because truthfully, between our full-time families, our full-time jobs, and our full-time lives, content creation is hard. It is. And video editing, video editing is actually harder than audio editing. Yeah. It, it, you got a lot of the setup you got to do. And then when you're done recording, you got to tear it down. Hopefully the file is good, not bugged in any way. Right, <laughs> right. It, it's a hassle, but we want to do more video content because that'd be a lot of fun. Absolutely. So I think we're gonna we're gonna start playing around with it, and we're gonna start posting when we like stuff. And I'm not sure if our listeners have actually noticed, but these episodes do not get very edited. They're not heavily edited. It's oh, yeah, we're pretty raw. Oh yeah, it's, it's it's one take, maybe adjust a few levels here and there. Every now and then one of us sounds like we're a mile away and we want to get content out because quality improves with uh, quality. Yep. So it reminds me of a experiment I read about how an art class was divided into two groups. One group was told to make the one perfect pot by the end of the class and the other half of the class was told to make as many pots as possible by the end of the class. All right. So after weeks and weeks have gone by, perfect potters, they made zero pots because they were trying to theorize the most perfect pot. <laughs> While uh, the quantity potters, their quality improved exponentially because they were constantly making right. uh, products. Practice makes better. That's right. And in our case... Practice improves perfection. <laughs> so uh, let's kind of jump right into some other stuff. I was looking on Reddit, and there was one thing that we just briefly talked about before the show was starting, and that was prestige classes in Pathfinder. Yes. And I specifically say Pathfinder here because the Reddit community in Pathfinder specific is looking to build a spiritual community successor to first edition Pathfinder. And the reason is they don't much like second edition. Truthfully, I don't much like second edition either. I've read the, I've got the book, I've read it, and uh, feels a little bit too much like five e. There's there's a lot of good ideas, but overall, I feel playing first edition is more fun for me. Absolutely, um, but they brought up about prestige classes, 
And this thing about prestige classes, um, Potato, what did you say about them earlier? Um, it's it's like you're tacking on extra flavor after trying to meet very harsh prerequisites in order to even get it. That's right. So it, it got me thinking, and I tried not to talk about it too much before the episode, and I probably should have because I would have remembered everything a little bit better. <laughs> but the idea was that in 3rd edition, when prestige classes really started to come out, or 3-5, when prestige classes had a great founding, it was a way to enhance your character uh, the next level. Kind of like to specialize your character yeah. in certain things. Pathfinder's prestige classes, like you said, have the flavor, but they are lacking the punch from taking such a focused... Um, focused look or path on your character because you're right. You have so many prereqs that are incredibly painful to right. have to to meet. And it also plays into what we know is uh, commonly a feat tax, essentially. That's what it is, yeah. Um, it's the same idea. And for those of you who aren't familiar, familiar about feat tax, it's when you have to take certain feats just to essentially unlock another feat that you need or want. Yeah, it's not like a feat tree. It's like, here's some junk feats that you really don't even want, but you have to get it in order to get the feat that you do want. Right. And, and you can always... <coughs> excuse me. You can always uh, retrain after the fact. No, nope. that, That's a hassle. But you can't retrain feats? I thought you could. You can retrain feats. Um, but when you get rid of it, you, you don't meet the prerequisites anymore. Right. That's garbage. It is. <laughs> I totally thought that was your loophole, but I guess not. No, unfortunately, <laughs> it's not really a loophole. Um, but but when we look at our prestige classes, um, the, the flavor is there. They're great concepts, great ideas. Um, and initially, the... Uh, the prestige classes were a little bit more limited, and the archetypes of your base classes was was very wide and broad. Oh, I love the archetypes in Pathfinder. You did a good job. I think the archetypes were initially um, there to replace a lot of the idea of prestige classes. Uh, prestige classes were still there, but I think by taking specific core class archetypes was their spiritual succession in the beginning. Yeah, um, that makes sense. And I like that. I thought their archetypes were great. Oh, yeah. Uh, in fact, it's a system that you kind of see a little bit of in 5th edition with backgrounds. Yeah. Um, and don't, isn't 5th edition, don't, doesn't 5th uh, edition have uh, subclasses? I believe. Isn't that a thing? I believe so. And I know this is horrible because as as big of a nerd as I am, and I've been playing tabletop <laughs> games for uh, just over 20 years now, 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons was released almost 10 years ago. That's crazy thing about, wow. Yeah. I think it's we're right about 8 years, but so I round up to 10 right. years. But I finally picked up my first 5th edition book. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's more than me. I mean, because That's, of 5th ed, I, I know that there's beholders in there. That's I'm, kind of about it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, truthfully, we, we actually, because of all of the uh, the release information that we've heard on, like, the Mind Flayer Dragon and yeah. the, what is the Elder Brain, Elder Brain Dragon or yeah, whatever, yeah. Um, like, they released some cool content. I'm like, you know, this is, this is pretty cool. 
Um, I love the lore behind it. I love I love all the the character ideas, etc. I just don't like the rule, the mechanics. Yeah, fifth ed. I want to learn. I want to to play it. Give it give it a good shake of it because I, I think I played it once. And I didn't understand what was happening because I was still too greenhorn to begin with. Right, and that, that makes sense. But uh, it's one of those systems. I'm like, I don't know, something about it. Well, so I got I got this fifth edition book. Right, we are so off topic from where we started, actually. So I got this fifth edition book. I got the player's <laughs> handbook, and I'm like, you know what? I need the player's handbook because uh, I'll tell you about why. Like my thought process here. I'm like, you know what? There's a there's a game system that overlays on top of the. Uh, the fifth edition mechanics and i should probably get the player's handbook to to check everything out make sure it all works and it's all kosher now this is where you can tell that my experience really lies in pathfinder because in pathfinder you have the core rule book yes which is your player's handbook and the dmg and a little bit of a bestiary in it yeah <laughs> whereas in D, you better buy all three goddamn books yeah, yeah, that's how they have it. Yeah. So, so I bought the the player's handbook, thinking this is the basics. No, I I forgot how D and D works. Which, if I just turned to my left and I would have looked at my bookshelf anyway, I would have remembered instantly. <laughs> but I didn't do that. So, oh, dumb me here. I got the book, and now I got this uh, got this next step, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna get journey uh, journey to Ragnarok. Which journey to Ragnarok? Yeah, which is another Viking based system. Uh, but it's played on top of 5e. And I'm like, man, player's handbook isn't going to do me shit. I got to know the, the rules. So <laughs> I bought the wrong book. Now you got to buy the right book. I do, but we all know, based on a, a, uh, an episode we've had earlier, is I will eventually have all the books. It doesn't even matter. It's going to happen. It will. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, we don't like to talk about Rob's collection because he seems super spoiled. <laughs> um, but anyhow... Oh, man. I don't remember. I want to tell you something interesting about the 5th edition player's handbook, though. Yeah. Lay it on me. Okay. So, a little bit of background. I have a degree in art. Graphic design, visual communications, advertising, etc. Right. Um, So, I know what it takes to make physical products and, you know, put them in people's hands. 5th edition player handbook has a super smooth, glossy cover. Awesome. The spine, same smooth, glossy cover. The back, half of it, same smooth, glossy cover. The other half, textured, like glued on sand. Like huh. like super soft, fine, not irritating to the touch sandpaper. Black. That's interesting. Dude, I picked up the book and I was like, what the hell is wrong with this? Like, what? Did I get something on it? I'm rubbing, I'm looking over, I'm like, what the hell is this crap? <laughs> what? Let me, let me uh, use the back of the book as sandpaper to smooth out this piece of wood I got here. Seriously, I think <laughs> I could. Absolutely. I mean, as, as always, as normal, the artwork is awesome and the book is easy to read. But I mean, that just seems like a funny choice. Wow. I would assume the back of the book would be like matte. Like, not even gloss, just matte all the way across. Truthfully, if I could get all matte covers for just about anything, I think I would prefer that. Glossy covers are nice, but I like the mattes. Me too. Nice. Glad we're on the same page with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so after we've just rambled on, it hasn't been very long, Potato, you had something else you kind of wanted to talk about, didn't you? 
Uh, let's see. I didn't mean to throw you under the bus there, but I thought we had something you wanted what to cover. Was it? What was it? Was it the Monster Spotlight? So or we, was it another topic? Because I, I actually can't remember top of my head, man. We like to do the Monster Spotlight towards the end of the episode. Right. So I want to definitely make sure we save that. Let's see. What was it? We were talking before we recorded, right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It feels like forever talking away. Talking before we recorded is probably a bad idea. You know what? Um, we say that every time. We say that every time. We're, we're like, yo, let's stop talking so we can just talk about it in the show. We, we already unpacked it. Now I can't find it. You know, I was like, wow, what was uh-huh. it? What was I going to talk about? Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. Yep. That, that's nope. that's gone. I cannot remember. Well, maybe maybe next episode we'll remember it. We aren't going to remember crap next episode. Gosh. Man. Where are you again? What? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, I I, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the Pathfinder community 1.5 spiritual build. Oh yeah, and, there we go. Let's get back to that topic. Yeah, and we touched on it briefly here, and that's acceptable. Um, one of the things that I I would really like to see. And there's there's a reason for this, and it makes me consider uh, more tooling that I want to do to the the tabletop RPGs that eventually will publish. Um, but there's the issue of in Pathfinder, humans get a plus two stat bonus to any stat, right? And it's considered their versatile nature. Yes. Whereas other character races generally have set bonuses and drawbacks. A, yeah, a penalty maybe. Right. Yeah. Um, and while that's acceptable and it works, what I would really like to see is that plus two stat bonus to any stat across the board on all base races. Because it it's really disadvantageous to say that not any other race is equally versatile as humans. I mean, you could have a nimble dwarf. That's true. You could have a dexterous half-orc. And when you think about magic casters, uh, why, like, what class are you going to pick? Human or elf. You get the bonuses to the needed stats. Right. People min-max it that way. They fudge it. Right. So coming from, in fact, exactly what I said here, I'm not sure if any of you guys are on Reddit, but you can find me at VileRob. Um, I said that coming from a min-max standpoint, leveling some of these objectives creates a better play experience for everyone. And, I mean, it, it does. And I know that we kind of kind of beat on 5e a little bit, but they did their best to level that field. That's true. And That's true. I, I think they did it well. Um, and then our gripe comes from the fact that we can't bend the rules to make such powerful characters. Um <laughs> Which, granted, as we talked about in the um, XP Valley episode, maybe we can create more powerful characters if we could ever get to a game in 5e where we were, I don't know, actually powerful. Right, right. Usually it's between level 5 and 8 that all campaigns kind of settle. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, oh, you know what? I'm looking through right now. And there is somebody <coughs> calling for Mega Dungeon recommendations. Ooh, Mega Dungeon? Like, uh, was it the, the Jade Spire? 
Is that what it's called? Emerald Spire. Emerald Spire. I was close. <laughs> you were really close. Um, <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> you know, what I like to say is when I think of Mega Dungeon, I think of Tomb of Horrors. Oh, yeah. And, I, you know, honestly, I think if you were to scale down the Tomb of Horrors, um, honestly, when you think of dungeons, I mean, like, the hallway is 120 feet. Whatever. It's five feet. Here's the next death trap. <laughs> I, I, I think what makes the Tomb of Horrors um, such a mega dungeon is actually the fact that you're. it's designed to kill you. Yeah. It's designed to be not even a challenge. Just die or you're good. Yep. <laughs> That's it. Yep. Have fun. Be prepared. Have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think a, a really good mega dungeon would be really fun to play in. I haven't really played in one yet. Well, I think I think the idea of a good dungeon um, is both deadly and entertaining due to monsters, traps, and uh, puzzles. Puzzles. Yep. Now that also comes down to how do you make good puzzles? I I find that really hard to do. I, I'm always like, all right, here's the puzzle I got. Are they gonna know this? No. Am I reading into this too much? I don't know. All right, just just scrap the whole idea. I'll find something online. <laughs> so, so I'm glad that you say that because I kind of cheat real, uh, really badly when it comes to puzzles and traps. And that is because I use Wally DM's Journal of Puzzle Encounters. Oh, is that a like a third-party supplement book? Yeah, yeah. I got to get um, one. So the book has 60 puzzles that you can use to add an element of mystery, intrigue, and fun to your fantasy role-playing games. It's actually really fun. And uh, the reason I do this is because when I think of uh, dungeon puzzles or traps, yeah. they're pretty either linear or too video game-esque. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Um, when you say, hey, we have to move this statue around and turn it and whatnot. I mean, strength check, done. Yeah. No big deal. Um Hey, can I roll an intelligence check to figure out how I have to position this mirror? Uh, yeah, I guess so. That's not really a puzzle. No, you it's know? not. It, it's more you're, like you're figuring out what check you need to make to right. get to the next step. Right. Yeah. Um. So the reason I definitely recommend Wally DM's Journal of Puzzle Encounters is because it has actual puzzles that need actual solutions. In fact, there was one that I that I played, and I think you were a part of it. Um, it was a I think it was called a reverse mirror. Yes! And <laughs> it, it gave you all of the clues, and you had to figure out what it was telling you, but it was all the clues were backwards. Yes. And it, the puzzle turns out to <laughs> turns out to be a Rickroll. It was a total uh, Rickroll, man. <laughs> um, it, it was incredibly fun. That was great. When I figured it out, I was like, oh, Rob, how dare you? <laughs> right, Jess. I mean, it's, it's fun. I, I like that one. That uh, was so good. You got me good with that one. Oh, dude. And again, I mean, that came from the, the, the Wally DM. We straight, we straight up written down the, the text phrase. And we put a mirror up to it to see if that would make us sound like a different word. I'm like, wait a minute. I know what's going on here. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's not that the text is mirrored. It's what it's saying it's mirrored. Right. Right. That's really good. I enjoy that because it's not, it's not you fishing for a check. Right. It's you actually using your brain for once. Right. And, and I, I like how a lot of these times you can use 
these mental puzzles to help uh, do in-game things. But one thing that I think actually breaks immersion is when somebody brings a physical tactile puzzle to the oh, table. Here's the Rubik's Cube. Right. right, right. Um, Solve it. I got six seconds. Oh, your turn. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I, I think that things like that are are neat, but I don't think that they should be a cornerstone of a specific session. You know, this is actually kind of funny. This reminds me of a story. Uh, this DM was doing his campaign. Everything's trying to be, like, cinematic. He even, like, wrote the, the phrase of, these two celestial beings are playing a game of chess, but the, the chess is, is of destiny, blah, blah, blah. The, la- the last session, like, you're going to fight the big bad guy, right? He sure brings the chessboard onto the table, and one of the players plays him in chess. And that's, that's how they solved it. That's how they, they won the day. What kind of pulled under the rug of shenanigans is that? Sounds like it came straight out of Bill and Ted's bogus journey, where they're facing against death. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Three out of five. <laughs> Wait a minute, you can't move your pawn like that, hold on. <laughs> um, yeah, and as, as we continue to talk about talk about Pathfinder here, I want to talk about a little bit more on a, on a character idea. All Not right. necessarily a character idea, but I want to talk about a character class ability... That is way overpowered. Oh, what, rage? No. <laughs> no. So so when we think about Rob and overpowered, we think about barbarians, rage, and thull. That, that makes absolute sense. Um, but we also know that I have a complete disregard for story when it comes to optimizing characters. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. I know. People are like, God, I'd hate playing with Rob as well. Trust me. You'd have a great time. He makes it work. I do. I, <laughs> and it's funny, too, because when I play with new DMs, I'm like, let's hassle them the right way so they can, you know, little thick skin, figure out how to say no. It works. When I play with an experienced DM, they're like, Rob, stop your stupid-ass shenanigans. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I still don't. And I apologize to my DM, my primary, like, the DM I have played with for 10-plus years. I, I broke down. I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. I'm such a shenanigans player. Like, I get it now. I understand how irritating it is, and I'm sorry. Um, So this character class ability um, is not shenanigany, but it is OP as hell. And that is when you are playing a cleric. Can you guess what domain? Nope. No? What, uh... Healing domain? What, what, what's so overpowered about the domains? The Madness Domain. What special ability do they get? Alright. I don't know that domain. (laughs) So, with the Path... In Pathfinder, the Cleric of Madness Domain build. And the reason it's ridiculous, and I kind of put this together here, um, it's actually the... um, it's a little bit of the feat combination with the special ability. And it is the... I'm trying to find the exact... Uh, I'm trying to find the exact ability here because it's ridiculous. Um, so Visions of Madness. 
and this is this is its supernatural ability. All right, you can give a creature a vision of madness as a melee touch attack. All right. All right. So we know that touch attacks uh, resolve against touch AC, yep. which on almost every creature, their touch AC is significantly lower than their primary AC. Oh, yeah. Choose one of the following attack rolls, saving throws, or skill checks. So you choose one of these three things. The target receives a bonus to the chosen roll equal to half your cleric level, at a minimum plus one, and a penalty to the two other types of rolls equal to half your cleric level, a minimum of negative one. The effect fades after three rounds, and you can use the ability a number of times per day equal to three plus your wisdom modifier. All right. So, no saving throws. No spell resistance. Really? You just do it? You just do it. As long as you hit their touch as AC, which is easy. As long as you easy. hit it. Negative, a plus one to attack rolls, saving throws, or skill checks. So what are you going to do when you're facing the big bad evil guy? So I'll be given the plus to the skill checks, so everything else gets a, a penalty. On saving throws and attack rolls. That, that is, I'm gonna, that's going to be my next character, Rob. <laughs> now, again, to half your cleric level. Right. Okay. Now you take certain feat builds that up your effective cleric level. When you cast that spell. Now remember it's a special. Or a special it's, it's supernatural special. ability. Right. Right, right, now, right, right, right. A lot of times this doesn't influence that. But when it specifically states that it does. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's madness. Yeah. Yeah. And uh Honestly, it's it's probably one of the most OP builds that you can develop. Um, Why would we need a witch? You got him. On, on, <laughs> honestly, it's it's one of those things that most people don't think about madness domain. You know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I immediately assume well, madness means you have this certain alignment that's going to mess up your character. Nope. But no, that's amazing. Nope. You can stick. Uh, you can stick with uh, even neutral good. Okay. Uh, because there's a, a god who is within one step of neutral good who falls in the madness domain. And it's one of those things that uh, really just kicks off nonstop. And that is, that's a really neat idea. Right. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. Can't remember the top of my head, but I know when I made a witch, like, gosh, what was it, almost a year or so ago now? Um, I did do the uh, Insanity uh, patron mm-hmm. because I can't remember the special stuff that I did, but I was like, oh, this is great. I can't wait to launch this off. Never had a chance, but that's really great. A uh, uh, Madness Domain Cleric. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Just imagine the RP side of it, too. That's that's really flavorful in my, my eyes. Depending. Now, I'm yeah. not sure if you remember when we were... Um, when we were playing in a campaign I was running where uh, the, was he a, I think he was, one of our players was a paladin and he lost touch with his, with his god. Yeah, he like lost his paladin abilities a little bit. Yeah, I don't remember if he was a paladin or a cleric. I remember he was, oh. he had to have been a paladin. He had to have been lawful. No, maybe he was a cleric. Can't no, he was a, a war priest, wasn't he? No. No. No, anyhow... Had to be a cleric. I, I think it was a I think he was a cleric. And the reason I say that is because um, I told him, I said, hey, because you've lost your abilities to speak with your god, you can always 
tune, but it's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you can't just be like, yo, I lost my abilities, I attune, I'm back in good graces. That bothers me. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, <laughs> uh so I was like, yo, here are some options available to you because you're role-playing in such this manner that you could actually go Madness Cleric. You could find a god who, who will step in and be like, yo, if you're going to stay crazy, let's keep giving you more abilities. Um, <laughs> and we actually ended up canceling the game uh, before we got too far. I don't remember why. Um, I want to say it's because everybody stopped showing up and we switched ideas. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. Dude, it's so horrible so horrible um so yeah i i love the idea and i think when somebody role plays and you can make a character next to their role play it's really cool on the flip side i got a few players who keep trying to give themselves awesome shit because their backstory says they have it and that irritates the heck out of me (laughs) now no, you shouldn't make a backstory that gives you this stuff and just expect it to happen. You definitely should talk to the DM like, hey, I got this idea. What do I need to do to pull this off? Might not have the money for it, but I'll sacrifice a class level for it. Something. Don't just be like, oh, it's in my backstory. I get it, right? That's a terrible idea. Yeah. Ooh, why would you think that? Yeah. Shame on you. <laughs> I <laughs> think, Thinking of some of the other things I've been talking to some people online about. Um one of them I thought of you when I when I read this one too was uh, uh-huh. what what kind of funny magic items have you put in your games? And well, you, like you the homebrew tr- items? Yeah, you really try for some of these sometimes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So uh, I had this one item that I haven't got to use for you guys, but it was a banter shield. It was a shield that could talk and do actions, but the actions are usually like uh, a buff debuff spell of, uh, of a certain list that I had. But the idea was. It would overhype you. Be like your hype guy while you're in combat. And while it's getting hit because it's a shield, he's like, oh, what are you doing to me, bro? <laughs> and constantly badgering you. But while you're doing good, he's hyping you back up. That's all he is. It's, it's all me being ridiculous in RP-wise. It wasn't really that great of an item, but I thought that would be really fun just for a little bit. See, I, I like the idea, and I think that it shows that there's a huge divide, too. And the divide comes from what we really like as DMs and what we fantasize about as players to the reality of games. Because right. there, there's going to be no banter. It's going to be like, I use my banter shield to soak up the damage and uh, I just attack. Yeah, yeah. That's usually why, that's kind of why I didn't bring it up. I'm like, this sounds good in my head, but in the actual mechanical field, right. it might not be pulled off. Right. And and it's that, that story RP that you want to see, you want to have, that you do not get. Because truthfully, a lot of RP players um, really just like to roll dice and boom, I do this. People like to be cool. People don't like to play funny unless you're trying to be funny. Well, not just that. That's usually the thing. Like, gag items don't get the the time to play as gag items. <laughs> well, you, you mention it once or twice, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's done. It's People want to play. They don't want to describe. Yeah. And, and it's hard. And so I mentioned one of my favorite funny items, and that was the uh, the coconuts of fast travel. Yeah. Yeah, I read and, that. I read that. <laughs> and with the coconuts of fast travel, it was... Uh, while clopping them together, two halves of the coconut together, you could travel the distance of a horse in eight hours, which is 40 miles in Pathfinder, versus the normal 24 miles that you could travel on foot in eight hours. Right. Um, 
just kind of funny, and it's a Monty Python the, reference. The reference items are gold. Absolute, They're amazing. Absolutely. Now, I also hate it when most people don't get my references. <laughs> I mean, it makes me feel like I am either too endowed with pop culture, or I am so ingrained in pop culture <laughs> That they're obscure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it could be how you executed them. Maybe you just said it in such a way that just went right over the radar. I don't know. You know, I think that may be the case too, because in our because I'm bad at explaining things sometimes. You know, well, it could be just the case. Truthfully, based on the episode with your player spotlight, I would uh, not say you're bad at explaining things. You're uh, just really that, good. No, oh, that wasn't even what I wanted to do. In my head, I'm like, "Shut up!" I'm just screaming in my head, but I'm just jabbering on. So, <laughs> so I want to tell. I want to tell. Shut up, Brandon. I want. I want to tell tell our viewers, our listeners, about a about a great story um, that that you actually did to me. <laughs> um, this this happened. I don't know. Shortly after we first met. I have never seen Rick and Morty. Oh, yes. Yep. Uh, to this day, I still have not seen an episode, a full episode of Rick and Morty. You got to give um, it a shot. Uh, you know, if it's on, I don't flip the channel right away. But <laughs> apparently, if I don't start at the beginning, it just doesn't make sense. So <laughs> these are 30-minute long episodes of yep. Rick and Morty. And Potato spends a good two hours explaining to me a 30-minute episode oh, of a cartoon. Oh. Right, right, because I was telling you the other nuances and, like, references that I had to other episodes. Like, this is why this part here was special and really funny. Right, right. Whereas <laughs> I, I had never seen one episode, right. and Potato's telling me about the first episode and the references to all these other episodes of other shows. I'm like, Potato, bro, I don't get it. I don't know why this is funny. So the reason why Szechuan Sauce was so funny in this episode here is because... 30 minutes later. Now, anyways, right. the reason why it was so funny. <laughs> right, right. So for, yeah, I'm bad at for that. For every two minutes of relevant story, I had 10 minutes <laughs> of side quests. <laughs> uh, and I think that also plays into uh, your character spotlight idea, uh, which is next episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that uh, I took some notes from last character spotlight. It's going to be a lot more streamlined, a lot more to the point. You guys can be a bit more entertained listening to me jabber on about this one. That's good. But I feel like talking about talking about this kind of brought up a, a light in my head. I will be a very bad old person. I'll be that person talking about the cheese I got last month to a person I just met at the bus stop. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Considering one day you asked me for a ride home and you gave me a 20-minute story on why you're asking. I'm like, dude, you could just ask. You don't have to tell me why. I'm so used to people telling me no, so I have to explain. I don't know. I got no reason for it. I got... Let me give you a sob story so you don't say no. You got, I got to live with my leg. I can't walk. I don't care. No, you're Two not years ago, I was in an accident, you see. No, seriously, you do it all the time. <laughs> I do it all the time. I'm it's, bad. It's okay. Which is actually really funny about our podcast. I have had a lot of caffeine shortly before our episode. So I feel like I'm talking at 100 miles an hour and not giving you an opportunity to really speak, and I'm sorry. Hey, that's fine. That's fine. That's good. As, as long as they know what you're saying, you're not going too fast for ears. We're good. 
Super. Not to mention you'll bore them to sleep next episode. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully not. But, you know, we're, we're nearing the end, and you were saying that you do have a monster spotlight today, I do, right? I do. Um, this monster is a uh, another magical beast, kind of like the last uh, monster spotlight. Sure thing. We're still in Pathfinder, right? Still in Pathfinder, but I did pull up some information of uh, Fifth E as well. Okay, what are we looking at, man? The... Orum Vorax. Orum Vorax? Yes, the Orum Vorax. It's a long name. It, for some reason, it feels alien in nature. It but does. the name completely uh, belies the design of the creature. Okay. It's essentially a big honey badger with eight legs. Yeah, so... I, it I'm, eats gold. I'm bringing that up right now. It looks like it came from Forgotten Realms. So it's got a little bit of history to it. Yep, it does have some history to it. I think it's from uh, first edition. Uh, I think it's as far back as it goes, um, tabletop wise. Um, but yeah, it, it's a pretty pretty neat creature. It, it, it locates gold. It can sense the gold veins in the ground and whatnot. It likes to burrow in the sides of hills and whatnot, and kind of make that their their warren, their their burrow stash of all the gold nuggets they have. Because here's why they love gold, or they they need the gold. If they don't eat gold in like a span of like I think it was a week, they die. <laughs> so, 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 I mean, ultimately, what we're looking at here, here, <laughs> now, now, as a quick, uh, quick note, the Orum Vorax, also is known as the Golden Gorger. Yes. Um. It doesn't look like it has an actual history outside of the game. No, I, I think I, I read a, a Reddit post saying that it's from a, a, an American folklore, like Native Americans. But when I tried digging deeper, I couldn't find anything. Okay. One thing I think of is maybe it had a different name. And when Wizards of the Coast made the Orm Vorax, they just kind of took the concept and kept their name. I'm not really sure how that happened. Uh, who knows? But it's a pretty pretty neat idea. Um, when you said eight legs, I first before you said eight legs, and it's, it looks like a honey badger. I first initially thought <laughs> spider of some kind. Yeah, the eight legs definitely made you think spider in yep. concept, but it's not. It's like nope. just long. <laughs> yeah, and and truthfully, the, the pictures that they have on the internet of this thing are pretty cool. Oh yeah, it's pretty sick looking, man. It looks oh, ferocious. Um, so as as we're looking at this thing, I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't seem to be overpowered uh, no, no, by, by any means. It's fairly balanced. In Pathfinder terms, it is a uh, challenge rating 9. Right. So that means going toe-to-toe in a slugfest, it should be on par with a level 9 character um, going all out. Yes. So it, it's hit points. I mean, we've reached over 100 hit points. It's ACs over 20. Uh, it Which has, is insane. It is a small creature, after all, but still, that's a pretty high AC for a natural beast. You know, that's right. It is. It is an actual small creature. So that, in my head, I kept envisioning medium. Yeah, it seems like it would fit like, better like as wolf. a medium. Yeah, I always I, I, when I saw the images, I thought, oh, it's a wolf, right? You know, but no, it's like a honey badger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, looking at some of this, it does. It's got some really cool abilities. Uh, we're already looking at. Uh, damage reduction 10, piercing, slashing. Yeah! So, you know, piercing or slashing will break that damage resistance. Um, I remember a lot of people say that if it doesn't say magic, 
it still takes 10 off magical attacks. Yep. Um, so that's cool. It's immune to poison. It's got a resistance to fire by 10. It comes with a burrow speed of 10 feet, so it can go underground. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It, it can also rake with its four claw attacks that it can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, really good at grappling you. I, I think that's its bread and butter is its grab ability. So it looks like the idea, because your grab ability is directly attached to the bite um, and the claws. So it looks like its bread and butter would be the idea to burrow and to come up underground. Ooh, that's a good idea. And bite or grab from below the player. And pull you under. I don't know if pulling you under is much of a possibility because no? of oh. how because of how burrow works. Oh, okay, um, I'm remember, not really sure how burrow works. Um, burrow is your ability to travel underground by, uh, essentially by tunneling. Oh, is this a travel speed? That's really all it is. Not like you're actually making a tunnel, tunnel mechanically. No, you're making a tunnel. Oh, okay. there, there's a path to follow. Oh, okay. when you burrow. So burrow. Um, so the details in burrow, uh, they can tunnel through dirt but not through rock unless it says otherwise. Creatures cannot charge or run. Uh, most burrowing creatures do not leave behind tunnels or creatures can use. Um, other creatures can use either because the material they tunnel through fills in behind them or because they don't actually dislocate any material when burrowing. Um, so I would say that this burrow, it probably disturbs the soil. Soil doesn't let uh, you follow behind it. That makes sense. Um, but it would also cause you not to be able to drag them down. Right, but yep. if you can just pop up, bite or claw, and its bread and butter is grab, so you grab. It's got the bonus to grapple. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely um, bread and butter right there. If you yeah, think it's, about it's that, it's actually tactic. a pretty strong creature too, especially considering that it's small size. Small side and its strength comes in at twenty one. That's that's pretty. That's beefy. That is definitely beefy. I mean, that's the kind of strength that characters look at when they're try- <laughs> when they're trying to get their half orc barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that, and I, I like the funny concept of the fact that it has to eat gold within a week because gold is valuable in the game. Yes. yes. So keeping one of these as a pet or as a uh, attack trap. Yeah, you you think, but uh, I think as she says in one of these areas down here below in its uh, flavor text that uh, it can't be trained because they're they're too ferocious. Yep, I just caught that. They're impossible to train. Um, so I thought it'd be great for a miner, like find the gold boy, <laughs> you know. But yeah. you can't. <laughs> well, you know, it says that uh, their offspring are valued for training as guard beasts. Oh, so they have to be from a, from a young age. Well, sure, but, like imprinted. Well, remember, guard beast is different than a pet. Yeah, that's, that's true. So I mean, it's it's there to essentially attack whatever. Uh, right. it's, it's there to be an opponent, an enemy. Um, I wonder how much gold it needs to eat to be sustained for a week. Uh. <laughs> you know what? I don't... Because it's like a whole gold bar, or is it one gold piece? Like, here you go. Cling, here's a coin. I'll see you next week, pal. <laughs> uh, you know, as, as we're reading through... Um, uh, let's see. We're, here's the first paragraph on the uh, PFSRD. Um, Ormvoraxes are aggressive creatures, led solitary lives except when they mate... Adults typically claim the hunting area within a mile of their warrens, ruthlessly driving away other predators. Now, this is funny, too, because, as, as we just talked about, I haven't actually gone through every animal in the bestiary. I'm not super familiar with this in a particular. So, 
hearing that they are super ferocious predators and like you know what let's start to kind of include these because yeah <coughs> excuse me uh in addition to fresh meat uh they're also fond of gnawing on metals particularly gold and copper uh which whether they do this to sharpen their teeth or because of some nutritional need is unknown uh warrens can stretch for thousands of feet offering deep wind, winding deep into the earth the uh everish appetite <coughs> has earned them the appellation of golden gorger among dwarves who have lost more than a few miners to the dangerous beasts. So this doesn't specifically say that they actually need to eat gold. Um, Maybe I got... Yeah, I think I got that information specifically from the 5e uh, text, I do so believe. It's it's yeah, from Forgotten Realms, it says, uh, without gold, it would become ill and die in around a week. There we go. So, I mean... I would assume that they have to eat some form of uh, gold, enough to sustain them at least. Right. I mean, yeah, that would be up to the DM's discretion at that point. These guys have a plus 12 against uh, being tripped. Well, and they got they, a plus 12 to their grapple. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's so high of a number. That's it is. amazing. It is. And <laughs> what I really like about that plus 12, by the way, and, and the multiple, excuse me, the multiple legs is the fact that I have played a trip specialist character before. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And they... Let me guess, did you use a scythe? No. No? I would have. No. Um, chained Whip. Oh, okay. Um, awesome, by the way. Really irritated my DM. <laughs> I trip him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I gotta stop telling stories where it's always prefaced with I irritated my DM. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a theme. <laughs> Guys, I am not a bad player. I just... <laughs> I like shenanigans. I like to min-max my character. <laughs> I have a good time kicking ass, okay? That's plain and simple. Hey, having a good time is having a good time. You know what sucks is when you're having a good time as a melee character kicking ass and then the blaster, like the magic caster, standing back 300 feet, safe from his damn pillow, and he's all like, <laughs> boom, they're dead. I'm like, thanks for ruining my good time. How come he's not chastised? <laughs> well, because he's playing his character accordingly. Right, right. <laughs> I didn't even maximize my my damage. I'm like, bruh, you didn't have to. You roll 42 d6s, you asshole. <laughs> Fireball. All right, seriously, I just roll 3 d8s, <laughs> and I get a buttload of extra damage, and you're complaining? Okay, You took him out with a, with a fireball. <laughs> I had to do four attacks. Why are you complaining about my tripping character? Uh, not only did I spend two turns to get up to them, or you just stood still. Yeah, you, <laughs> you glorious a-hole. I mean, don't, I, I like casters, but I mean, seriously. In a real-life setting, I'm pretty sure it'd be arguments like that, though, for real. Like, I'm in the well, thick of it, and you're standing there in the back. How about you help us out a little bit? I'm helping, fireball. <laughs> well, really, if you think about that in, like, reality-type terms... If if magic was a thing and casting damage magic by any means was possible, nobody would want to do anything else but long-range warfare. Yeah. In fact, you don't even need magic. It's it's doable now. It's what we do as a country. We're it's like, called guns. We're, yeah, yeah, we're <laughs> like, I can shoot you from a mile. I don't care what you have. Right. I'm just going to launch this warhead at you because, you know, I'm a country away and don't feel like sending anybody over to kick your door down. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what we do. Ever since the Cold War, baby. <laughs> just been before the Cold War, man. <laughs> but, oh, so, so funny story as we try to wrap up this episode. Uh, 
I, I read or heard once that the thing that makes humans different than any other animal uh, is the fact that we can kill from a distance. Yeah, it's true. And honestly, I, I, I strongly believe that sentiment because other animals have ways to communicate with each other. Um, as we have ways to communicate with each other. Uh, most of them have a form of hierarchy, like yep. we have a form of hierarchy. Uh, there's a social order. There are expectations, etc. There is a natural flow of things in other species' lives. And really the only thing... And people are like, well, they don't have thumbs. Well, they're designed to not need thumbs. Yeah, they, like, they don't need them. Right. <laughs> That's the whole point. Thumb, thumbs don't make them smart. All right? Yeah. Rats are smart. Crows and ravens are incredibly intelligent. Dolphins are smart. Yeah. They're, they're like, some of these animals have the intelligence of a three-year-old. I mean, we're talking about animals with yep. third uh, grade or three-year-old intelligence levels. All right, the fact that we're different is not because of thumbs. It's because we kill at a distance. Right, right. Say, saying that it's because of thumbs makes it sound like there's like a brain in your thumb that's dictating why you're so much so so superior, so much smarter. Sure, that's not the case. Right, and you get it's our articulation that doesn't change anything. Right, the fact that we can grab things. I mean, seriously, birds grab it with their their claws, their talons, yeah. their feet. Um, you know, rodents don't have opposable thumbs. In fact, squirrels have thumbs that are so magical, by the way, we're going to talk about thumbs for a second, that they can rotate from top to bottom, and that's why they can climb up and down trees so well. Oh, yeah. It's because their thumbs are not only opposable by some measure, minus a second joint or third joint or whatever, um, but they have more range of motion. Seriously? If they had a phone, they'd probably be really good at texting. I've seen movies that feature squirrels, and... Oh, that doesn't um, count. <laughs> uh, usually they're animated, but the squirrels are too neurotic to text. <laughs> Speaking of squirrels, I want to talk about a character I had in a game. Oh, what was his name? I don't. It doesn't matter. Oh, it, it, it's it's irrelevant. That was a good time. I, I want to talk about him next uh, next episode. Yes, primarily because um, we're running so, so so low on on time now. Um, but yeah, so. Our new website, we we talked about briefly at the beginning of the episode. Um, I said in a previous episode that with the release of the new year, which is now, that we were going to close down our play-by-post community. Yep. And we did. That's gone. And I was going to close down the forum community itself because it was super inactive. Um, I couldn't do that. I couldn't really bring myself to completely sack the discussion forums. Right. Um, so even if it's nice and slow and slow building, it's still there. There are things I want to use it for. Gotcha, um, gotcha. I know that we have our Facebook group at Epic Table, I'm sorry, Facebook.com at Epic Table Games um, and Facebook slash groups slash Epic Table Games. Um, but because, like I said earlier, I'm bad at this business thing and bad at social media in general, I don't keep it posted as often. But I'm really weird. I'm on our website all the time. It's not even a social network, but I check it every day. That's actually good. I, I need to start getting into it myself. Yeah, because your blog Be- post just came up about that bill that you uh, bored us with a few weeks ago. That's right, the the <laughs> anti-magic tank. And the, the the post was formatted a lot better than the way I did in the episode. So yeah, if you ever get on there, you have a good time reading it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be doing... Uh, future posts in the same fashion, Good if deal. not even more optimized. Good deal. 
So yeah, good deal. Um, well, great, great, great website. I love that we uh, kind of what, what what do you want to call it? Uh, redid it. I guess is the best way to say it. We kind of like yeah, it's it's re- redesigned, redesigned. It's, uh, you we know, gave it a refresher. Absolutely, we we built it on a different platform. We integrated a few other things to it. I I really sacked a lot of the the features that were causing miscommunication issues on the back end. So, right, coding um, is a bitch, dude. I don't know how many people. Um, I don't know how how large our audience is who understands a lot of coding, but it's the kind of thing where you know you try to keep it organized and beautiful. Uh, it's considered beautiful code if everything's on its own line and easy to read and easy to follow. Right. Um, but we're using things like parentheses, brackets, um, quotation marks, semicolons, colons, periods, all when needed, and in hundreds of char- thousands of characters, tens of thousands of characters, thousands yeah. of lines of code between multiple different pages that are all integrated in referencing other um, sections of code. If you miss a small character, it will destroy the entire thing. Yep. Um, yep. It's all, all it needs is one character to be missing or misplaced. Right. right. I mean, it's it's the difference between working and not working. <coughs> so, all right, guys, we're going to call it here. Check out next episode for my uh, my quick, stupid squirrel story. Uh, <laughs> it is related to uh, our tabletop games. Don't worry about that. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash epic table games if you just want to check out the page or if you want to join the group of totally inactive uh fans i guess <laughs> that's uh, facebook.com slash groups slash epic table games and as always come check out the website you know it at epic table games.com epic table epic games epic table games.com we have an outro oh hey hey you know what don't how dare you? Good night, guys. <laughs> Good night. Happy <laughs> table games. show with the paladins of the podcast robin potato until next time stay in touch on facebook at epic table games and online at epictablegames.com yeah 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 epic table games yeah 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 yeah